You're listening to The Preaching Podcast from Regency Baptist Church, located in Loomis, California, in the greater Sacramento region. We pray that you'll be blessed by this Bible-based message. And it's also our desire that you'll be helped with this message in your personal walk with Jesus and strengthened in your commitment to serve Him daily. 1 Timothy chapter 1 in your Bibles, 1 Timothy chapter 1. I'll continue what we went over this morning and uh, talked about this, 10 lessons in 10 years. And if you would let me just kind of give a testimony, if you will, tonight. Uh, I I still want to preach it a little bit, but I want to just give you some thoughts from my heart on what God has taught my wife and I. We've talked about this. I've given a lot of thought to this. I've been compiling this message for probably the last three or four months And so I've really put a lot of thought into these things that I want to speak to you about this morning and then tonight, of course, as well. Uh, But it's it's interesting when you look back on life and, you know, as a kid, people tell you it goes so fast and you think, oh, come on, I'm never going to be 16, never going to graduate, never going to get married. And then those things happen and you look back and you just say, wow, it's gone and it's done. And then you look ahead and say, okay, there's stuff ahead now, but... Lord, slow it down just a little bit. And uh, if I could say this, we've just enjoyed and loved getting to do what we get to do. And if you're in the will of God, I hope that that's your heart too. That being in the will of God, whatever title you hold or whatever job you have, whatever maybe your situation is, if you're in the will of God, and we ought to love what we get to do. And I thank the Lord for this opportunity to be a part of this church, this great church, and you are the church um, and you'll, if you'll stay with me at this time, 1 Timothy chapter 1, uh, we'll start, I'll give a little bit of a recap on what we covered this morning, but <laughs> this verse stuck out to me as I thought on this today, 1 Timothy 1.12, and I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who hath enabled me, for that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. Our Father, we come to you once again and pray for your, Lord, just your anointing, pray for your spirit. God, I pray that our, our Savior, Jesus Christ, Lord, that you be lifted up. Father, in, in no way, Lord, does any man, woman, person deserve to be honored or recognized the way that you are. And I pray, Lord, that when we leave here, that we'd understand we serve a great God. And all that we get to do is because of the great and wonderful Savior that we have an opportunity to serve. Help us, Lord, I pray. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Ten lessons in in, in ten years. I made that statement this morning. Success is knowing the will of God and doing it. I pray for every young person that you'd understand the, the power of that statement. That true success has nothing to do with what's in your bank account. It has nothing to do with what titles or what accomplishments that you make in this life. It's, did I understand what God wanted for my life? And did I do it? Success is knowing this is what God wants me to do, and I'm just going to do exactly what God wants me to do and where he puts me and what he enables me to do. Number one, if I could share my heart with you tonight again, number one, God is always good and always faithful. God is always good and always faithful. Every up and down, every uncertainty, every, Lord, what's going on today? God is always good. He's never not good. He's never disappointing. He never fails. We never look to him and say, man, Lord, I wish you just would be a little better. I wish you'd step it up. No, he's always good. He's always the best, and he's always faithful. In other words, he's good 
every day, every second, every year. He's faithful through and through. Number two, the Word of God is life-changing and powerful beyond our understanding. And if I could just say it once again, I've, I, the more I live in this Christian life and as a pastor getting to study, and maybe just in time a little bit more than, than our folks do who work different jobs, I've just fallen in love with this book. And over the last 10 years, I've preached through 27 different books of the Bible, and I still feel like I know this much about what the Bible has. Uh, but man, I, I love this book. I love the Word of God. And it's the Word of God that changes lives. It's not our programs. It's not our new theme design. Now, now I'm excited about it next week, and I hope you're here for it. But none of that stuff is life-changing. Uh, well, what's truly life-changing is the Word of God, the Bible that we hold. Number three, there's a big world out there that needs Jesus. Man, my eyes have been open getting to travel the last couple of years, just seeing different parts of the world and just understanding even more. We know it, that there's a big world out there, and the need is the same for America as it is for our missionary of the week this week, Bolivia, as it is for Russia and, and Brazil and China. and Every country in the world is the same. The need is Jesus Christ. And there's a big world out there, and there's a big goal. Job isn't done, and job's not close to being done. We, we've got a lot of work to do. Number four, kind of coattailing that thought, the Great Commission is still and always will be the main thing. The Great Commission still is and always will be the main thing. In Sunday school, in junior church, in master's club, in our main services, our big days, our, our fellowship events, what are we trying to do? Go teach, baptize, and teach. Go into all the world, preach the gospel, baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach, train, disciple, grow, edify one another. That, that's what we're all about. That's our mission in 2023. That's our mission in 2024. And that's our mission until Jesus comes again. And although our theme may change, our mission stays the same. We call it the Great Commission. And it's a great commission that God has given to us to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature and to baptize and disciple them in the name of the Lord and then number five, a work for God means little without the presence of God. A work for God means little without the presence of God. We all know what it feels like in our modern day to get busy and to get so engulfed and filled with the to-do list and the things and this. And, and sometimes we can say we're, we're doing a lot of stuff and we're working on a lot of things and we have our you know, kind of hands in a lot of different uh, fires or a lot of different projects or a lot of different areas. But it doesn't mean a whole lot if we don't have the Lord close by our side every step of the way. You say, how do I know if I have the presence of God? You know. You know. If you're close to God today or if he's just a name on a page. A work for God means little without the presence of God. If you're not seeking the presence of God, truth be told, you're probably not close to God. If you're not on your knees every day saying, Lord, I, I want to serve you today and I want to go soul you today, but Lord, I want you there with me right by my side. It's kind of like people that can live in the same house, but it's like you're miles apart in your spirit and in your soul. And the number six, if I can continue on these thoughts tonight, all that was things that we covered this morning. Number six, and I can't overstate this, I don't know how else to say it, but just that the church is an amazing place. The church is an amazing place. 
Our world has become more and more drifting from going to church, being in church, being a part of a church. People will church hop and just be a part of all kinds of different churches, and I'm just going to get a word, or they'll pull up some YouTube sermon, and, and that's not all bad, but that's not a replacement for church. Church is so underestimated in the power that it has in the lives of God's people. You know, church is a, is a strength to a family. It's a strength to those who maybe don't have others in their life and their families that, that are Christians and that do love the Lord and that do want to serve Him. And, and as you get into a church, you realize that we become a little bit like a family. Very much so like a family. But this place is an amazing place. My wife were talk, and I were talking about this, and I said just, how many times have we dri driven out of this parking lot and just said, wow, can you believe what God did? And I'm not just talking about the big days. And we could talk about the big days. And we, we always talk about Mrs. Nolan on that first Easter Sunday. Uh, we were praying for 50 people, and that was a big number. That was uh, a little over double what we normally had on a Sunday morning. And that, that was the goal for, for Easter Sunday the first year. And, of course, God had to humble us and give us 49 for that service. And we had a potluck afterwards because we were Baptists. And back then, potluck was the third Sunday of every month. We've kind of drifted away from the stuff since then. And we've gotten entangled in the things of the world. But we had potluck after service. And then Mrs. Nolan's father walked in. And he was a part of the potluck. He said, hey, I wanted to come for the meal. And I said, praise the Lord, that's 50. The service is over. But he's here, Amen. You know, we, we could talk about the big days, and I remember our big day we had after that, our big barbecue bash, and we prayed for 60, and we had like 65 or so. Uh, all, all the big days and big services, I could tell you about the big numbers we prayed for and didn't have close to that, but somebody got saved or God did something. But a lot of just regular Sundays, midweek services, uh, a rainy Saturday out Solening, just days where I didn't expect anything great to happen other than, hey, we're at church, we're doing what we're supposed to do, God, God, would you work? And just walked away and said, wow, God, that, that was amazing. Lord, you spoke to me. Maybe it was that song or it, it was that message or it was that interaction. God, you brought that person, that individual came back or that person got right with God, whatever, whatever it may be. Now, now, there's certain days that I'll never forget in church and maybe you could take a uh, memory lane in, in your mind and think about days in your life in church. And surely you could think back to times and say, man, I'll never forget that day. Maybe it's the day you got saved in church or you made a major decision for the cause of Christ. Maybe it's the day you got right with God or maybe the first time that you sang, I always get a little bit of a PTSD when we sing that song um, and we sang it this morning. The ne next time he comes, was that this morning, Thursday? I forget when it was. But the second verse on that, or the third verse, I don't know, the last verse, the second part of that verse, uh, for a man to come from heaven, that was my first solo in church. And every time we sing that, I start to shake a little bit again, and my voice starts to tremble, and I think about the first time where I was scared about <clears throat> singing at church. You can think back to all those memories that you had in church, some fun memories and humorous memories, some very meaningful memories. But all that to say this, that this place is an amazing place. I will never forget the day that we came back after the lockdown and shutdowns and all of that. You say, Pastor, you, do you regret any of that? I believe we follow the will of God and all of that. Now, I'm not going to do it again. 
But I believe we followed the will of God and, and how we directed it all that. We, we had it much better than most of the state, than most of the country, than most of the world. But that time where we came back and, man, there was no paint on the walls because there was no walls. <laughs> there was no drywall. There wasn't carpet to vacuum. There was cement to blow. You know, it, was, it wasn't a beautiful service in what it looked like, but, man, that, that service was special. And I'll never forget not just preaching and seeing you, but the singing. Man, I love the singing. You know, we preached over a live stream, and you heard a lot of preaching, and that was great, or maybe you didn't hear a lot of preaching in your living room, but don't tell me if that was you. But man, I love coming back and singing with you all. And all that to say this, that there are so many memories that we've had, that you've had in this place, that I think we could just leave here and say this, that this church is an amazing place, an amazing church. A perfect church? No. A sinless church? Not even close. But still an amazing place. Serving with God's people has really been one of the greatest joys of being in ministry. If I could tell you when we merged, one of the maybe most nerve-wracking things that, that, that really I felt was, was the staff that we inherited. And I just thought, Lord, I don't know how to work with staff, and I don't know how to give direction or whatever. I mean, my wife and I, we you know, vacuumed and cut the grass on weekends and, you know, did the decisions and all that stuff, met with deacons and whatnot, but that was all pretty foreign. And then, man, God's people came together and all that process and all of what took place there. And I just thought that this, our people are amazing. Our staff is incredible. Our, our staff men, our staff ladies, their wives, their children, their families, our, our deacons and you, you faithful workers and, and, and all the ministries, the, those that are faithful prayer warriors. And if I can just say this, that the church is amazing because of the people that we get to serve with. And no matter what title you think you hold or what place that you have in the church, you being here and serving the Lord together with us here makes this place even more special than just a, a number on a street sign or whatever that may be. You know, it's a thrill to watch people grow in the Lord in their service. And I've said this many times, one of the greatest joys in the Christian life is to watch people grow in the Lord. To see those of you who we asked, hey, will you teach a class? And you kind of looked at me with big eyes and said, you sure? Or, sure, yes, sir, do my best. Or, hey, will you... Sing, sing in church or sing in the choir. Hey, hey would you come soloing with us? And, and seeing those firsts of, man, I'm not sure, Pastor, and I, I don't really know. And then seeing months and years go by and you're still, you're still at it. And you're still serving the Lord. It's just such a joy serving together with God's people. And I can't, I can't overstate how much my, my wife and I love the people of this church. You are an encouragement to us. I hope we're an encouragement to you. Number seven, children need real leaders that care. Children, and I say that word children sparingly, young people, teenagers alike, need real leaders that care. We, we have a generation that if we're not careful, we're going to lose. We're going to lose. And there are many that we've already lost. And I don't want to say it's a lost cause because if God's given them life, there's still a chance to get right with God. Amen. I know many of you, you say, hey, praise the Lord. I got right with God at some point, And that's a great thing. But we have way too many casualties. There are too many that are growing up in good churches like this and in good schools, none of which are perfect, good families, and then are turning 18 or leaving church altogether or going to a church that, that doesn't stand for anything. 
Ch- children need real leaders that care. If we can understand this. There's a very real enemy out there. He's not playing games. He's not taking a vacation. He doesn't have any downtime. He's not interested in negotiating. And I believe more than ever that Satan is full-fledged after our young people. Because that's the future moms and dads. That's the future leaders. That's the future teachers. He's destroying their minds with internet, media, easy access, opening messages with strangers. He's getting their hearts with his music. He's confusing their minds with false teachings. He's gaining ground with wrong influences in their lives. One of the hardest things to watch is young people that are taught and trained in the right way, but then turn and give into the world. And it's like you can say, hey, don't, don't turn that way, and there's hardship that way. You're, you're going to get hurt that way, but for some, it's just, I need to experience it for myself, or I need to try it for myself. I, I just don't believe you that, that it's the right thing. Hey, don't believe me. Believe God. But, but what's, what's the answer? Oh, those kids, the answer isn't complaining about them. All oh, those children, we just need to, you know, we, we, we say things that are so foolish. What they need is this. They need examples. In other words, they need real adults that can show them, not just bark at them and tell them, but show them the way that they should live. It'll be by teaching, by taking time to train and say, this is what's right, this is what's not right. You know, we we ought to have moms and dads that that are skilled in the Word of God, that can take the time at a family table or at family Bible time and say, hey, here's a truth that we want to teach to you. Moms and dads, you should think about before your kids leave, what do we want them to learn and to know? And don't just say, oh, I'm sure pastor will go over it at some point. Well, what do you want to teach them before they graduate and leave your home? And it will be by teaching. Hey, it'll also be by prayer. It's not just because, well, we, we did the formula. And we had the Bible time on these days, and we went to church on those days, and we went soul winning on those days. It'll be a mom and a dad getting on their knees, weeping with tears, and saying, Lord, would you help them to get it? God, would you get their heart? Would you turn them to you? Would you help them to see? Would you enable them? Would you save them? Would you keep them? Would you help them? It'll be by prayer that we reach our young people. It'll be by time. By time. Taking time. All these things, you could say this, it takes time. Time requires sacrifice. Time requires effort. Time requires something from you. It'll be by boundaries. In other words, not just the yes, but the no. Hey, don't, don't go there. Don't turn that way. Don't look that way. Don't watch that. Don't, 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 don't be with that crowd. Don't go that direction. And it'll be by God and His Word. And if I could just kind of close this thought by, with this, by saying this, if we're going to reach the next generation, it won't be by accident. It won't be just, hey, look at that. We have young people that love the Lord and want to serve Him. It'll be because people are invested and are bent on doing everything in their power to reaching them for the cause of Christ. Parents, it should scare you to the point where you say, man, they, they may turn to the world, that you say, we're going to do everything in our power to equip our kids and to train our kids and to teach our kids in the way that they should go. And you say, my my little girl and our little boy, they would never. Well, the Bible says this, that foolishness is bound in the heart of a child. Now, they may be your little angel, but, but they're also a dirty, rotten sinner. And that foolishness is bound 
in their hearts. That's why it absolutely blows my mind why we would give a child a phone with access to social media. You know, we live in a day where people are getting appointed to, you know, political uh, 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 leadership and even, uh, you know, just big titles. And they'll go back 10 years on a social media account where they as an 11-year-old or a 14-year-old were just saying things that were absolute nonsense. But they were a child. That was a kid. They didn't have discretion. They didn't have wisdom. What, what, what are we thinking? Again, if we're going to reach the next generation, it won't be by accident. Number eight, separation is a vital doctrine in a changing world. Separation is a vital doctrine in a changing world. What do you mean by that? That we are different on purpose. That we look different on purpose. That we talk different on purpose. That we act different on purpose. That we're not different just for the sake of being different. Now, I don't believe this, that we look at the world and just say, well, I don't want to be that. Because there's a lot of things in the world that I don't want to be, but it's not because I don't want to be that. It's because I want to be over here, and I want to be more like Christ. And I want to be the kind of person God's created me to be. And if you can understand this, that everything the world has to offer, it's not just a different way. It's the opposite of what God wants you to be. So what are we called to be? Different. We're called to be separate. We're not supposed to mark all over our bodies. We're, we're supposed to have a different appearance. We're supposed to have a different song that we sing. We're supposed to have a, a different maybe lifestyle of what, of what fills us. Our world is so bent on entertainment. Everything's all about fun. Our, our life should be more than just about fun. We find in the Word of God a lot of work and work and labor and all those things. I don't find the word fun in the Bible. I find joy and rejoicing. I'm not saying the Christian life is just, just work and get over it. <laughs> You know, the, the Christian life is a joy. But people in the world, they're just chasing fun. And it's the next thrill and the next thrill and the next joy ride and the next this and the next that. I can tell you this, that we've been tired and exhausted and have left this place and been absolutely to the end and saying, I just got to stop. But my joy level is filled because of what God did. Separation is a vital doctrine in a changing world. People say we... We, we shouldn't sweat the small stuff, but separation is not a small thing. We're supposed to be different from the world. Can I say this? We don't need to rebrand everything. We don't need to tear down the system and reinvent the whole will in Christianity. We don't need to spit on our heritage because, guess what? They were sinners too. We live in the tear down the statue society. We find out somebody had a, had a skeleton in their claws in the past, and we say, well, don't listen to anything they said. And I'm not saying lift up people regardless of horrible things that they've done. But they're all sinners. And God used the sinners in the past just like He used sinners in the present. And I'm thankful for people that God used in my life. And I know that the pastors before me, Pastor Nichols, he was a sinner. But God used him incredibly. I don't think he sins anymore. But man, we ought to give honor where honors due. Again, we just, it's this tear down the statue society. We, we find a flaw and we say, oh, let's tear it down. And here's the reason. So we can build it back the way that we want. It was never about them. It's about, I don't like their way and I don't like that. I, like, I love this in the Bible where Isaac went. He, he re-dug the wells and he had to dig his own wells. And I believe this, that as you go off in life, there's some wells that you just got to dig for yourself. You gotta grow in your own way. You, you gotta learn some things on your own. But he dug his father's wells, and the Bible says this that he named them after the same name of his father. 
In other words, he said, I don't want to rebrand it. I don't want to change it. I want to honor it because that was my dad that dug those wells. That was somebody who taught me and invested into me, a patriarch of our land. And I want to honor that where honor is due and where honor is given. You know, there's things that we're always going to change in our church just for the sake of, there's always little changes. But I want you to understand that our desire isn't just Let's just change for the sake of change. We don't need to give the devil ground in the name of free will. If I could also say this, that we're not better than everybody else because we hold certain standards. Some have a different style, and they're similar still in doctrine. Some are similar in most doctrinal areas still, but they differ in some areas of separation. Learn that not everybody's a reprobate that's different. A false teacher is different than somebody maybe compromising on areas that we would say are standards that we hold in our church. Most of the things in the Bible (coughs) that are addressed for compromise and change were things that were due to salvation or due to changing who Jesus was and their belief in Christ. Now, none of that is relevant to who we are because, hey, this is the reason we're independent is that how other churches do things really shouldn't dictate how we do what we do. We do what we do because of the Word of God. I've talked to other pastors, and there's just some philosophical stuff, and, hey, that works for you? Fine. Works for us this way. Great. That's okay. And I'm okay with that. But I still believe this, that we're called to be different. Not from that church, not from those people, not just for the sake of being different, but for the sake of being more like Christ. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to realize that it is, a, it is a battlefield out there. It is a war zone. I mean, constantly changing. and The lines are constantly being redrawn. So watch this. If we don't draw the lines, then we're giving ground to the devil. We're going to look back and say, well, well how did this happen? Because you didn't stand for anything. Number nine, I like this. It is possible to have a thriving church and healthy family working together. It is possible, and I put that in the same as on purpose, to have a thriving church and healthy family working together. I've heard statements like this, the church can vote in a new pastor, my wife can't get a new husband. The church can have another pastor to lead them, my children can't have another father to lead them. I know that there are some roles that only I am able to fill for, for my family personally. But, and I want you to understand my heart in this, we, we've seen some that we say have lost their family due to the sake of being all ministry, but some have overcompensated so much that they're not involved in church at all for the sake of we're going to have family time. Meanwhile, spend hours a day still on social media, spending hours upon hours in fun and entertainment, hours upon hours a week doing things that have nothing to do with quality training and teaching and nurturing and the ad, uh, nurture and admonition of the Lord. But I'm just here to say this, that the church and the family can work together in harmony. And when they do, it's a pretty powerful thing. It is a beautiful thing. It doesn't have to be church time or family time. In other words, we could say it this way, they don't have to be in competition. I, I don't want to have to feel guilty to tell my kids, hey, hey, we got to go to church. Oh, we, we got to go help. We got to help clean up. Or we got we to be a part of this. Or we got to set up this. Or, or we got to do that. You, you, you treat your children that way with the ministry. And you, you'd be surprised 
if they still serve the Lord after they leave your house. No, we, we get to do this. Man, we get to serve the Lord together. I love going soulning with my kids, and, and we've seen visitors come, and we'll go home and say, hey, did, did you guys see that, that that person came to church, and, and we invited them, or, or they got saved, or hey, look, look, look at what we talked about today, and sometimes they'll ask, you know, I'll be at home studying, and, and dad, what are you doing? Oh, I'm studying, and oh, what are you preaching on? We'll, we'll talk about it for a little bit. Man, I want the ministry to be exciting for our children, not because I am a person that is employed uh, by the church, this is my job, but just that we, we get to serve together. We get to serve the Lord. And it's a, it's a beautiful bond when people understand that. That it doesn't have to be family or ministry, but that when those things work in unison, there is a beautiful and a powerful bond. Finish, ministry and family don't have to be either or. They can coexist. In fact, they even, I could say this, they work better together. Better together. When they mirror each other, they complement each other. Now, along that, don't sacrifice your family for your ministry. But also, don't sacrifice your ministry for the Lord for your family. Learn to have both in harmony. Ecclesiastes says this, a threefold cord is not quickly broken. And it's just kind of an illustration that's been told about a home and a, a church and a school and how that can be a great stronghold to a child as they grow in the Lord. And when those three things mirror each other, there's a powerful bond. And I'll end with this, and I'm out of time. And if I, I'll just say this briefly, number 10, there's always more to learn. One thing that I've learned is that I don't know a lot that I don't know. And there's still a lot that I'm learning. And I hope that you understand wherever you're at in the Christian life that there's still a lot that you need to learn as well. Um, if I could say this, I, I'm okay with understanding I don't know it all. You come to me and say, Pastor, i got a question for you. And I say, I don't know. Don't be shocked, please. Don't be surprised. It is possible. It's very likely that I don't know the answer to your problem, your situation. Best I might say is, hey, I'll pray about it with you, but you got to seek the Lord on that. But there's a lot more that I need to learn. There's a lot more that we need to learn. And I say that to say this. There is great joy in the journey. There's joy in the journey. The, the joy isn't, I got to the place where I know everything, and now I've learned it all, and I've mastered the Christian life, and I know everything there is, how to be a parent, how to be a soul winner, how to be a giver, how to be a prayer warrior, how to be a help. Now I've made it, now there's joy. No, joy is the journey to get to that place, and really we'll never get to that place until we get to glory. So don't wait to have joy to when you have it all, Find joy in the process of, hey, I learned something new in the Word of God today. Man, there's joy because I grew in an area this year where I struggled in time before. I have one, really, and I like setting goals. I like that mindset. I really have one main focus for my life this year. Pastor, you say, what is it? None of your business. Um, but it's something that I know is a weak area for me. And I have a lot of things that I'm working on, but I have one area in particular that I, 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 I'm really trying hard because it's something that, that I struggle with personally. And I know it's a weak area for me. But there's joy in that journey of learning that, okay, I'm getting a little better and I'm, I'm trying a little harder and it's a little uncomfortable, but I'm doing the best that I can. Man, that, that's where the joy is. That's where the fun is. Hey, look, look how you fell. Didn't your parents tell you to learn to laugh at yourself growing up? You fell, you messed up. Guess what everybody does? Hey, watch professional athletes, NFL, NBA. They, they still airball too. 
they still absolutely blow a pass to an open receiver. I mean, they, they miss an assignment all the time, and they're, they're the best in the world. Who are we to think that we can never fail as well? There's joy in the journey. I'm excited about the journey ahead. I'm excited about what we're going to learn together as a church in this coming year. None of this has to do with me personally or with me and my wife personally, but with the work of God that we're all a part of in this church. And I pray as we reminisce a little bit on the past, it's been five years since we've merged as a church. This, what's today, the seventh? Yesterday was five years ago that we merged together as a church. Uh, I'm excited about the years ahead, about the days ahead. What's going to happen? I don't know. Pastor, you got a vision. I got things I want to see accomplished, but there's a lot that's going to come our way this year that we're going to say, I didn't see that coming. I didn't expect that to take place, but if I could just say one more time, there's joy in the journey. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast from Regency Baptist Church. We pray that God has used this message to stir your heart for the gospel's sake. To get information about our ministry or to get in contact with us, please visit us at regencybaptistchurch.org. If you were encouraged by this Bible message, share it with a friend, contact us, or tune in next time to the Regency Baptist Church Preaching Podcast.